the power of neurodiversity. What I would like to do for podcast number one, or uh, because I would consider introduction podcast number zero, is to, um, go, to go into an overview of the book, The Power of Neurodiversity. I'd like to do a little series on the different chapters and some of the different themes that are within this book, which are all very powerful and trying to attempt to change the narrative and change the language and change the perspective around the idea of intellectual and cognitive disabilities and how we view these from a cultural context as well as biological. Um, so Neurodiversity is a book by Thomas Armstrong. He was originally a special ed teacher and became a special ed uh, school consultant. And uh, the way that I would like to start this off really is a, is a nice little anecdote that he begins things with where he would go into schools for IEP consultations and instead of um, looking at all of the negative language that is, takes up, consumes almost hundreds of pages of these individual education plans for these kids, what he did was he went through and he would highlight only the positive aspects of the kids, their strengths, the things that they can do instead of the things that they cannot do. By the way, it's one o'clock. Um, <laughs> and as my computer tells me that, it would become from 100 to 200 pages and narrow down to about one to two pages, in fact, of just these strengths and abilities that these kids could do, uh, you know, good with their hands and uh, likes to build things or curious about art and uh, likes to play at recess, certain games that they like to do, those sorts of things. And all of a sudden they would begin these meetings with that and immediately the teachers, the staff, the, the kids themselves would all of a sudden have a have this new narrative, this new perspective about themselves. Oh yeah, that's what I'm good at. Oh yeah, as opposed to these uh, sort of, what are you, what is it that you cannot do? What do you need to improve on? How do we, how do we overcome these labels that you have, right? So it's really this, this awesome book about changing that narrative. Uh, and change that perspective in order to really empower the lives of those that are guiding and supporting people with special needs, but also the ones who have them themselves and perhaps changing their perspective and feeling empowerment and, and improving their lives uh, as well. I guess I'll just kind of begin uh, sort of with a few other few quotes to go over kind of the thesis of it and like a little overview of the book and sort of chapter one and then um, I'll do another cast where we go over uh, some future chapters. Um, he kind of breaks it down, his book, uh, he kind of begins on the top level of things with like ADHD, kind of like mild autism, and then kind of breaks things down into more uh, other kinds of disabilities, and then ultimately gets us to um, the rainbow of intelligences, thinking in a different key, neurodiversity in a classroom, and then the future of what neurodiversity should look like. So a quote uh, in the preface, he says, Up until now, we've tended to use heavily negative medicalized language to speak of brain diversity, but generally positive naturalistic language to talk about cultural diversity. What he's trying to get at here is really push us to start to think about um, our brains and our cognitive abilities 
to no longer just exist on uh, kind of black and white labels and binaries and as machines, but these organic complexes that exist on a spectrum. And, and there's many of us who have already kind of a, a, a understand kind of a liberal progressive idea of the human uh, existence, but um, a lot of us are kind of stuck with like, either you, you have a disorder, you have a disability, and you're confined to that, that sort of label. In cultural diversity, we've started to understand that there, there are differences amongst cultures. There are values that are expressed in different ways, and no, no one culture has a deficit of any kind, and we learn to sort of broaden our range. Obviously, there are some contemporary things. This is year 2020, and um, that are really unveiled. This book was written um, 2010, and so um, in a way, <laughs> Uh, uh, not quite being aware of some, some issues that have happened in 2018, 19, 2020 uh, in terms of like our cultural diversity and, and being able to expand our reach in sort of uh, those sorts of terms. Um, but nonetheless, the point still stands that there's there's seems to be a social aspect that's growing, but not exactly a neurological one that's growing as quite as aware, the awareness as quickly. And, uh, and so then I'll, I'll read another quote to kind of get at some, um, some more of his thesis right here too. So, brain science, evolutionary psychology, anthropology, and other fields he wants to use to help revolutionize the way that we looked at mental illnesses as well. His purpose in writing this is really to um, look at how we can um, re restructure the language, restructure the approach between somebody that we label as having mental illness. Um, perhaps, uh, and really the argument is no longer going to be around mental illness, but changing the language around having some mental differences. That's kind of like the overview of what, of really what the book is about. And I kind of want to just break down chapter one real quick and then go more deeply into uh, some future chapters in uh, the future casts here. Um, but really what he breaks it down is that these eight different principles. Right, so here's uh, number one is the human brain works more like an ecosystem than a machine. Right, so we're thinking about there are, there are types of brains that systematize things, machines are automated, but the human brain truly is an ecosystem. It makes total sense, we're life, so why not compare it to having a life-like organism up on top of our necks. Human beings and human brains exist along a continuum of competence, right, we call back we call that maybe another words of that as being on a spectrum, which that shouldn't be a negatively connotated uh, term as well. And then human competence is defined by the values of the culture to which you belong. There's a great um, thing that I'm going to jump into around uh, this, the value of ADHD in Papua New Guinea and in these island uh, hopping, these kind of constellation analyzing shipbuilding uh, group of people compared to our western way of kind of valuing that court sort of settled being still being able to listen in a classroom being able to sit at the dinner table and hold your fork and knife in the correct hand those values just kind of are contrasting and it's a really cool insightful thing that we'll kind of jump into there too whatever you are labeled as disabled or gifted depends largely on when and where you were born. We're truly defining uh, yourself by what you can't do rather than by what you can and changing that language. 
uh, number five, sorry, I'm numbering these. Success in life is based upon adapting one's brain to the needs of the surrounding environment. Adaptation is the key there. Success, number six, number, success in life also depends on modifying your surrounding environment to fit the needs of your unique brain. And this is uh, another word that he kind of comes up with, niche construction. And then number seven is utilizing assistive technologies in order to create that niche construction, in order to adapt to your, to your environment. Adapting your environment, not adapting to your environment, but adapting your environment for yourself. Number eight is the last one, uh, the last principle. Positive niche construction directly modifies the brain in which it in it turn enhances ability to adapt to the environment. So there's this cycle. You begin to adapt your environment, your brain adapts itself, and then you continue adapting the environment around you and the brain adapts to itself. There's a really good um, example of, of a student who, who just has this inability to sit still and concentrate and focus, but they put some felt uh, material inside his desk, you add some textures uh, onto his pens and pencils, you give him these all this different visual stimulation near and around his uh, desk and walls that he's sitting near, and all of a sudden the kid is uh, you notice over time that he's able to concentrate, he's producing more work, he's more engaged with school, and so now you're not, and then there's a whole entire section around medication, now you're not applying medication to try to sedate him, you're actually providing more stimulation so that his neural pathways can be activated and stimulated with other things, that way he can then concentrate on the tasks at hand that are more demanding for a hyperactive kind of student uh, while we're requiring some sustained attention of some kind. Um, so those are kind of the eight different principles that he has and he outlines in that first chapter. And uh, what I think is just so fascinating about all of this is um, how he's not only trying to say like, yeah, these are all these strengths in this what you can do narrative, but furthermore to also not necessarily glamorize and, and subtract from the challenges and difficulties that somebody with uh, arguably disabilities has. Um, and this is just really a, a way to then empower somebody and not feel like they're constantly living in a deficit of others. It does not mean that, that there is still attention that needs to be drawn towards um, supports and ways that this person can continue to navigate the world and there are things that still can be expressed, like like behaviors that do harm others, or behaviors, or actions, or thoughts, uh, or words, or whatever it manifests that is expressed out of somebody uh, that can be detrimental to themselves or their surrounding environment, for that matter. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to, to to dive more into this book, and I hope that you'll take this sort of journey with me. This is an uh, awesome, awesome uh, read in terms of. Um, changing that language, changing that narrative, changing that paradigm and that conscious perspective of what it means to what it means to have a diverse world neurologically. Um, so thank you for listening for this episode, and that is going to be the sky's the limit take for chapter one. And signing out, over and out, deuces. <laughs>